Hello and welcome back to the London Tech Insider podcast. Today I speak to Francis Irving about the history of version control. For those unfamiliar, version control is how developers manage and track changes to their code. It is absolutely essential in allowing teams of developers to work together productively. To introduce Francis, he is a formidable programmer and has worked on a number of very impactful projects. One of these is Tortoise CVS, a version control tool he created and which was used by millions of developers around the world. Clearly, as someone responsible for a chapter in the history of version control, he is very qualified to speak on the topic. So, without further ado, here is the episode. Please enjoy. What was version control like when you first started as a developer? Oh, wow. Um, I don't think there was any. I remember having a summer job doing a an accounting system and porting it from eight, well, what was it? I guess eight bit to 16 bit um, for um, that tea shop, which has of Chelsea. Oh yeah. And that was in about 1994 or something. Yeah. And there, there was dead. I don't think there was any version control. I think you just took a copy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, then... I also, yeah. And then there were some really rubbish version control systems like PVCS, uh, which I can't remember what it stands stood for, which was this massive behemoth in my first job. It's a very corporate Windows software, like you know, designed for very senior engineering managers more than for programmers. And we were checking the code like once every few weeks when our manager forced us to, <laughs> because it was so bad. <laughs> um... So I guess it's fair to say you were quite frustrated almost with uh, um, uh, version control uh, as it existed in your early career. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, the, the job which made us uh, really do look at it was uh, I was working on a video game, the Creatures A-Life games, which were like virtual pet games in the 1990s, very innovative with simulated biologies and brains and so on. Hmm. Um, and we were using Visual Source Safe, which was one of these Microsoft products that didn't have enough attention. And every, I was basically had the job of doing everything that no one else did. So every few weeks, Visual Source Safe would crash and corrupt the um, source. It had this binary database with all the files in, and they were exclusively mm -hmm. locked, so two people couldn't edit a file at the same time. And every few weeks, it would completely crash. You'd have to run a job that took some hours to scan the database and fix it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just disastrous. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we had this uh, young developer, Daniel Silverstone, you'll still find around on the internet, who who had used CVS because he was looking at all the open source stuff. Uh, and we were kind of hatched a plot to switch to CVS. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, just so... Uh, for my understanding, I'm sure maybe a few other people will have the same question. What is the difference between uh, CVS and version control? Is it basically the same thing? It's a specific piece of software. So yeah, if you look at my article, which is called, it's got a kind of funky title. It's called Astonishments 10 in the History of Version Control. So if you search for like Astonishments Version Control, you'll find it. Basically, there are loads of radical innovations in version control that happened over a sort of 30-year period. Well, 25 mm -hmm. year period and 
uh, one of those was going from exclusive lock to concurrent. So exclusive lock, you lock the file and no one else can edit it. Whereas mm. concurrent, you let two people edit the file and usually they're editing different parts of the file and you have a merge algorithm that merges it together. Uh, and CVS was the first one, the concurrent, the C stands for concurrent. So it's just the first product that did that. So it's a version control product. Um, yeah, and Git, Git is just a version control product. Um, mm. And there have been many of them. It's just so dominant now. If you start programming now, you don't really need to know there's anything other than Git. Um, yeah. yeah. And and so uh, it sounds like there was almost, um, yeah, quite a selection then of, of different version control tools to use. Yeah. Uh, maybe a couple of decades ago. Um, yes, yeah, so there's a great, uh, the, if you look at Wardley mapping, which is this thing by a really good IT consultant in London, Simon Wardley, which is for mapping technology change. Hmm. Um, and it has an x-axis which goes from bespoke to warring products to commodity. So tools start out as bespoke, like bespoke might be copying the file each time you change it or something like that, or writing your own script. Um, and then warring products is when you've got things are differentiating based on features. Um, and that was very much the stage for version control for a long period for the 90s through until, yeah, whatever, 2010 or so when Git was dominant. And then the commodity stage, there's not really feature competition anymore. Everyone knows what it does. It's kind of settled. And arguably, version control has reached that point now. I'm sure there mm. are people looking at innovations who don't like Git and have new ways they want to do stuff. But mm. I've not seen anything pop up for 10 years that, that it's like, oh, wow, this is an innovation in version control. Um, so I think it's reached commodity like water in a tap or something. And so the uh, tool that uh, you created, the Tortoise uh, CVS, was that sort of uh, competing with Git? And uh, it was it was up. It was it was um, well, it's, very popular yes, this from what is, I gather. This is seven or eight years before Git was written. Um, so yes. So Tortoise CVS, CVS was the most popular open source version control system and the open source bit mattered more because the products were designed for programmers than the fact the source code was open um so they were made to to work easily um in a way that the the corporate ones tended to come from a very management point of view so yeah so cvs was concurrent versioning system which was an open source command line thing like the git command line client and there was a program called WinCVS, which was a very bloated Windows interface that was you had to load in separately from the file manager and was a bit awkward to use. But it worked. It was open source, too. It was good. Uh, but I didn't like using it. <laughs> and I quickly realized I'd rather just you do. I was using Windows at the time, and I'd rather just do version control in the file manager in the Windows Explorer. Um, and yeah, I, and it was it was it was entirely a piece of glue code to make a better user interface. So, yeah. Um, and it was kind of weirdly radical at the time because it's difficult to take in now, but Microsoft was completely dominant. And also they did not use open source. This was a long time before they acquired GitHub or introduced Windows Subsystem for Linux. They were Microsoft, you know, it was at the period when they described open source as a cancer, basically. Hmm. Uh, so it was quite comical to push use of this Unix tool, basically, CVS, that was used by all the Unix programmers. But pushing that to be used on um, Windows was quite comic. Um, and and especially embedding it in the file manager, in the main bit of Windows, the main part of the user interface. Um, and I found that very, it was technically quite awkward and a bit tricky mm. and kind of quite fun. 
Um, and later on, we added quite cool things that I hadn't seen before, like the file overlays that show you when a file's changed, which nowadays are fairly standard. Things like Dropbox tell you when a file's changed. Um, mm. But back then, that was quite unusual. So yeah, it was quite exciting. Yeah. And was it, uh, what was the process of developing it like? Was it almost um, you creating something for yourself that you wanted to use? Yeah. Like, or um, did you sort yeah. of have a wider, wider audience in mind? So it was initially creating for myself, but also other people in the company because I was working for a games company. I didn't do it much in work hours. I mainly did it after work um, with, with a, a small exception. Um, so I had, and I had friends in the company who also wanted to use it straight away. So that was, that was quite good. There's, it's basically a cheat, uh, a good way of cheating at making software development much, much cheaper is to do everything yourself. So that is to be the user, to be the product manager, to be the designer, to be the front end developer, to be the back end developer and do it all yourself. And obviously you can't reach the level of quality and scale that you can if you split up those jobs. But the efficiency gain means you personally feel like you're doing five or 10 times as much as if you're just doing one of those roles in a team. So yeah, so there's a kind of, you can ship things that are very impressive, especially back then when UI, the standards were lower in some ways. You just need to do a good job of user interface and you'd be doing better than most people, most corporate mm -hmm. software. Um, and I've read lots of usability books, so I was paying attention to make it automatically decide things and be opinionated and all this stuff. Um, yeah, and then we, we, yeah, so I was getting it used in the company and I posted it on mailing lists about CVS and quickly got other users and its user base just started growing and growing. Wow. Which is fantastic. It was like a, a child because I left after a couple of years and then it kept growing. Uh, and I went traveling and decided to not do it anymore. And this great ch uh, chap, Torsten Martinson, who lives in Denmark, was maintaining it. Mm. Um, he was fantastic and I think maintained it until I think it's reached its last version now just recently, but he maintained it for 18 years or something. Oh, wow. Quite amazing. Yeah. And I've never met him. If I ever go there, I'll go, I'll still look him up and go meet him. Wow. So that was, that was CVS and CVS kept growing and because it was warring products, there were, there was competition. So there was a new product called Subversion, which was like a better made thing than CVS it had various advantages. Uh, like, yeah, it was more atomic across the whole repository rather than just file-based and things like that. And that became more and more popular. In fact, it became way more popular than CVS uh, and everyone was using it in the Windows world and Java world as version control. So someone else copied Tortoise CVS and made Tortoise Subversion. And it was like this chain of like cousins and grandchildren and things. And all these products copying it were me. So it was great fun. And mm. Source of Subversion got you downloaded. It had a download count on some SourceForge or something of about 20 million downloads. So these wow. have been used by millions of people. Um, mm. And I think a thing, it's quite hard to engineer apart from do lots of projects and make good stuff. But I think if I had to go, what's the thing that makes the things I did that I'm most satisfied about satisfying? It's that I thought they were good, valuable things and millions of people used them. That's that, and, and realizing that you wrote some code and it's scaling to millions of people. It's not really, I mean, money obviously is really good as well if you make money from making something, but the, the people making, using something a lot is, is just really satisfying because you basically leveraged, you've done a bit of coding, you've made one tool, you've probably only done a few months of work even potentially. 
and then millions of people are gaining value from that and you've influenced millions of people's lives uh and it's yeah basically by yourself and that's yeah, yeah very empowering yeah and what um what was the life cycle then you sort of touched upon it a little bit after you'd developed it so when when was its real peak would you say yeah i used to look at graphs of the downloads on on uh source for how long did it take i can't remember how to find them quickly uh yeah so it it just i mean it increased for a few years and then subversion beat it about four or five years in I think Subversion peaked probably 2009-10, round about when Git started replacing it. So it took a little while for Git to replace it. But mm. by 2012, I think everyone was using Git mainly. Yeah. But that's the point. There would be a legacy curve. So you get the normal curve going up, and then there'll be a decay, like a slow decay, because there'll be projects that don't want to migrate that sit around for five or 10 years not migrating. But by 2018 or so, um, it, everyone had migrated and there were too few users to maintain it. I think there's actually a company that still maintains it for some enterprises. Um, yeah, there is. Maintaining someone. Yeah, maintaining Tortoise CVS, in fact. Oh, wow. oh, right. Ma- they, they maintain CVS as a commercial basis for a few enterprises that have just got something that needs it. Mm. Um, and they, they maintain Tortoise CVS like a fork of it. For that yeah <laughs> i think uh oh, wow. yeah so there's a 20 year life cycle roughly mm. and uh, the total uh, time yeah the um and you were just mentioning uh git there you know the the rise of git in about 2009 you were saying so uh what are your opinions on its rise like what uh what what did it do differently uh from other yeah, system. so it was in a, t- yeah, if you look at the, my history article, uh, it's in a one of a wave of distributed version control. So version control where all the history is on each device, which has loads of advantages for speed. Basically, you can do anything locally really quickly and you can e- you easily have a copy of everything. You can sync between different places. Um, and that allows any workflow. There were multiple ones of those at the time, and I remember looking at them, you know, wondering which one would be, you know, which 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 I would start using. And for the startup, I ran Scraper Wiki, um, based in Liverpool, doing kind of data science stuff, but fairly before that was a term. We were using—I've uh, even forgotten its name—Mercurial. Have you heard of Mercurial? So Mercurial was literally made the same week as Git by a different kernel developer. So they were using this proprietary version control system to to do Linux, um, uh, the Linux kernel to maintain it in. And they had a spat with the person who made it and they had the license withdrawn and they couldn't use it anymore. So both Linus and one of the other kernel developers each made a version control system within a tiny space of time. And Git was better quality technically, it was faster. Uh, it used more Unixy things to do with the file system because it was made by the Linux developer. It was very focused on being incredibly efficient and thought through and kind of powerful. Mercurial had a very similar kind of structure because it was also designed to do the kernel development, but it was um, it had a more usable um, facade. So the actual command line was simpler to use. And Git's got a bit better over time, but it's quite hard to learn. And when something weird happens with Git, you still have to you know talk through, it's quite hard for people to be honest. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had had some merge conflicts and or rebase conflicts or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I can get. And it takes a while. Yeah, yeah, like the commands to roll back or revert aren't very obvious, and the 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 uh, index is not very obvious. There are various mm. built-in concepts that you kind of need to understand that aren't very obvious. So whereas Mercurial didn't have that problem, but it was, as I say, slightly less good in terms of speed. And I don't think there was, I think, I don't think there was any specific reason why it won, except the GitHub happened to be a Ruby on Rails product and it chose Git for various reasons, for whatever reason. Uh, and GitHub's own success then forced Git to be the one that beat Mercurial. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was very exciting. I mean, mm. nothing had happened for a few years in version control, and Git was a substantial improvement. Yeah, and the the uh, non-profit digital startup, My Society, that I'm sure we'll talk about later, we migrated to Git at that point. Um, mm. So, yeah. Do you have, um, I guess you sort of briefly mentioned the shortcomings of Git, so do you have any thoughts uh, about the future of version control at all, uh, looking into the crystal. So, I mean, lo lots of the shortcomings the can, lots of the shortcomings can be covered by better UIs, like like the various desktop clients for Git that there are now, uh, and by having limited workflows, so people knowing what the workflow is. So, I'm not sure that's enough reason for anyone to jump. And also, the core program has been improved a lot. Mm. Um, so, I don't know that that would happen. As to the future, I don't know. I haven't thought about it for a while. I've sort of decided Git was it, and that's fine. I think I would like to see... I don't like the way issue trackers, for example, are proprietary. I don't know if you know, there's a version control system called Fossil, which is made by the person who makes SQLite, SQLite. And Fossil has a bug tracker built into the version control system. So the bug tracker is decentralized as well, and it's quite cool. So I think it's more about the tooling we're using is increasingly proprietary in some ways. In some ways, it's not. Like IDEs have become more open source. But the aspects above that, like all the other features of GitHub, are, are proprietary and owned by Microsoft. Um, mm -hmm. And we don't have much control. You can't do... Luckily, they're making, they make it very good, so it's not a big problem. But I can imagine it getting stultified and there being lack of innovation. So, yeah. <laughs>